Gina's going to lead us in our scripture reading today. She's coming, coming up, I just want to share, I noticed that that hymn was actually written by Martin, Martin Luther. Did you know that? That's pretty neat. Our sermon scripture today comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. There we go. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of all the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. For I will leave the midst of you a people humbly, humble and lowly, they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, the remnant of Israel. They shall do no wrong and utter no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. Then they will pasture and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Result and rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in the midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you, with, he will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Of course, I forgot to uh, say what I was going to say now at the beginning of every scripture reading is, if you brought a Bible with you, please pull it out, take it out, and follow along. Now, this is, I'm going to do that now. If you brought your Bible with you, or if you read your Bible on your phone, take it out, because we're going to read a part of this uh, text over again. Together, you get a part in this sermon. Aren't you excited? Are you ready? Maybe you're a little bit nervous. It's just one verse. Don't worry, okay? But there are few Bibles. Uh, most of you should have one somewhat near you, and you can pull that out and look it up. Zephaniah uh, chapter 3. Or maybe Todd will be able to put it back. Uh, Todd, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 12, if that helps you. What? Verse 12? What? Well, there we go. Okay. See, I didn't tell you that beforehand. That would have been a, that's what a wise pastor would do, is just cover all the bases, you know? But sometimes you have to wing it. Sometimes you just have to wing it and just go where the Spirit leads you. That's what I'm trying to do, is just go where the Spirit leads you. That's what we all should do, is listen for this, the Holy Spirit speaking into our heart. So a couple weeks ago, I was uh, talking with a pastor colleague, more of a mentor person in my life, a mentor uh, pastor in my life, and she was telling a group of us a story. This was in a totally different community, so don't try and figure out who she was talking about. But she said that a, a strange phenomenon had started, that she was getting phone calls from young women in like their mid-20s who were so paralyzed in their anxiety so afraid of everything that was going on uh, within their lives and overwhelmed by everything going on outside of their lives uh, that they don't know where else to turn. 
So somewhere along the line, they had heard that she would be a good person to call to, to connect with and be encouraged, and so they reached out uh, for pastoral care. And she said there was, there was either three or four different women, and maybe they were friends and saying, oh, you should talk to her. She's a really, uh, really encouraging person. And they were reaching out. But they were so uh, overwhelmed in their anxiety, in their fear, in the stress of their life that they really didn't know what else to do. So they reached out. This was amazing to me because what I could envision was kind of like what we all experienced during COVID, remember? We all kind of entered into a bunker of sorts within our own homes. (laughs) And that was different for everybody and some could go outside and whatever, but spiritually and emotionally we were like in a bunker. We couldn't leave. We were stuck there. And some people, maybe you know someone like this, some people have stayed in that bunker. And that's sort of what happened with these young women, is that they've stayed in that bunker. And some things in life have made it possible to do that. So lots of us, especially those of us who are younger, can do a lot of our work from home or wherever we choose, if you work on the computer. But you can get groceries delivered to your house through services like uh, Instacart is one that sticks out. Uh, you can stream everything, even new movies you can stream, you know, maybe a week or two after they come out in the theaters. You can do all that stuff from home. You can even get alcohol from, from home. You can have that delivered if you live in the right community. I mean, it is now, it's easier now more than ever to just stay stuck in your home. And when you get into that place, it's really hard to get out of that self-made bunker. What's a challenge? What do you think is a challenge of this sort of reaching out. I actually found a really good thing within this circumstance. One really good thing. They reached out. They reached out for help. So many people, I would say most people, have this kind of experience where they're not nearly as connected as they used to be, maybe before the pandemic. Or maybe that's always how they've kind of been, is sort of closed off from relationships with others closed off from community. This is a growing trend that the internet has helped pave the way for. What's the challenge here? Can you think of the challenge of these three or four women reaching out to this pastor? Maybe, maybe more will do that. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for one person to just, you know, she was already overwhelmed as a pastor, trying to care for the people that were already in the flock. So yes, it's good that more people are reaching out, but eventually she's going to reach her capacity. Just like what's happening with mental health counselors is the same kind of phenomenon. We were created for community so that we can support one another. So that yes, an expert or uh, someone who's got an encouraging word or a list strong presence of listening can help through those times, but that's just more of a a high point or a crisis point. And then you say, here, spend time with Kathy and Deb. They're They're really great friends. You know, something like that. We need to get people back into community. I wonder if you've experienced some sort of bunker in your life. Maybe this is resonating with you that you say, yeah, I've been pretty isolated, especially since the pandemic. I've been pretty closed off, like I'm, I make contact with people through the internet, but I'm not really connected with anyone through relationship. You see, what I started to 
think about as I was preparing this message is that we all have different kinds of bunkers. Maybe we're out interacting with people, but we have different things that we turn to to deal with or cope with the stress in our life or the things that make us afraid or anxious or angry. A bunker is that thing that we turn to in those moments where we feel somewhat overwhelmed and we just hope that that experience will make it all better. That maybe if we can just endure that stressful time, that maybe on the other side it will just somehow magically be better. So we might turn to binge-watching our favorite show. Boy, it's just been a stressful day. I'm just going to binge this show. <laughs> I mean, that never used to be a thing, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, lots of people do that. I've, I've done that. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily help me to deal with whatever's going on within my heart. A really common one, a really common bunker is workaholism. I can't control anything that's going on around me. I'm just going to pour myself into all these projects. Okay, that's good, and projects have their place. That's good. But does it really help you to deal with that reaction that's happening within your heart of feeling angry or overwhelmed or stressed or afraid? Like David in this Lectio Divina Psalm? A really clear bunker is alcohol where we just turn to something or some other substance, or now uh, with much easier access, unfortunately, marijuana, and just say, I'm just going to numb everything that's happening around me because I don't want to deal with that inner turmoil that's happening within my heart. So I'm going to enter into this bunker. Yeah, I'm around other people, sure. But emotionally, spiritually, disconnected. So those bunkers are fine, and sometimes we need them. And maybe there's others. You know, there's lots of other uh, bunkers that we can en enter into. Sometimes we need them just to, just to cope, just to get by, just to endure a really difficult time. But the key for God's people is to enter into a space of refuge. God as a refuge, not a bunker. Refuge is different than a bunker. God invites us to turn to Him as a refuge. And this text speaks of God as a refuge during a great distress, like many other Psalms and many other Old Testament texts. If you did a word search on a refuge, you would find tons of these kind of references about how God wants to be in relationship with us. And Jesus invites us to come to Him and to lay our burdens down and experience some kind of like an experience of shelter from the stress in our lives. Let's, let's read this again. I'm going to just read from my Bible here because that's easier to see uh, and identify. Let's read again verse 12. For I will... You ready? Three... This is like when we're swimming. <laughs> for me and my kids. Three, two, one... For I will leave in the midst of you a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. In the name of Israel. Okay, that's it. Good job. <laughs> Good job. So let's notice a couple things that we just said together. Let's notice a couple things in this text. If you're looking at it, look, look closely and remember this. Refuge in the name of the Lord, is something people do together. 
God says, I will leave a people. I will leave a people. They shall seek refuge. So a lot of people are growing in Christianity or maybe their faith has actually been strengthened and they believe in God more than ever and that's really great. I've watched some of you grow during this time. But more and more, because the culture is an individualized culture, you're encouraged to just do whatever is best in your faith, but there's not much encouragement to experience God's grace together. This text makes it very clear that seeking refuge in the name of the Lord is something that people do together as a group. They shall seek refuge. Second, seeking refuge is first a spiritual reality. It's part of our inner world. Because we can come here to worship. Have you ever come here to worship and you still feel anxious inside? You still feel overwhelmed? Or you leave here and you say, well, I should be feeling encouraged and I should be feeling the joy of the Lord, but yet something is still off? That's because seeking the Lord as a refuge is an inner experience. It's something we do within our heart and soul. So a struggle for me sometimes is I'm laying there in bed and I'll think of something that's really stressful or fear-evoking for me, and I'm just, oh, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. And then I try to remember that it's not through just reading the Bible that God is a refuge for me. It's not just through gathering for worship or through giving an, uh, an awesome sermon right, that the Lord is... hope that's what you think. That, you, that I experienced the Lord as a refuge, but no, it's actually in those quiet moments by myself when all else is stripped away in the silence where the fear that's reigning within my heart is revealed. And then it's in that moment that I say, Lord, help me. And I, I hear the words from God saying, not literally, but I'm reminded that in Christ, with Christ, I'm safe. Whatever it is that's causing some sort of distress within me is, is no threat to me. Even here, even now, as I stand before you, that, yeah, I want it to go well, of course. But that doesn't change the reality that in Christ I am safe and I am loved. So see, seeking, the refuge, seeking refuge in the name of the Lord is an inner reality. But we need each other to experience that reality. We experience the reality of God as a refuge by encouraging one another through feeling the energy of a group, sharing the wisdom of experience and, and sharing the reminders of hope that we share. So seeking God as a refuge begins as an inner experience and then we experience God as a refuge through relationship with one another. And this is the key difference that experience God as a refuge rather than a bunker that leaves us just sort of having endured a difficult time but not actually having changed at all. Like if I go into any of those other bunkers that I mentioned earlier or any other one that just kind of leaves me by myself, I don't really leave that experience as a changed person. Maybe I gained more information, maybe the latest hack on how to deal with exactly what I'm feeling at the time, but it doesn't last it doesn't bring a transformation to the soul. Experiencing God as a refuge becomes a transformational experience. We're, we're actually strengthened through the difficulty rather than just waiting it out as we share our prayers, our, our truth, 
testimony and as we laugh together and experience joy. That's what we can experience no matter what's happening in our lives. You ever notice that? That even within the difficult moments, you can still laugh. You can still have a good time even if everything else around you is falling apart. That's what we need to be able to lean into as God's people during this time. As we experience God as a refuge, the inner experience of God as a refuge actually becomes easier when we're alone because we just experience that outer reality hopefully today. You go home later and you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed and you say, the Lord is my refuge. How do I know? Because I just felt it when I was with my brothers and sisters in the faith today. Or I experienced that reality regularly after we joined together for our men's Bible study. It's just such a moving time and encouraging time. And then I, I, I go through a, maybe some, something stressful later in the day and I say, the Lord is with me. How do I know? Because I, I experience that brotherly love. Don't worry, we don't say I love you and all that kind of stuff. We just read the Bible. It's just, just fine. You know? But we need that kind of outer experience to remind us of that inner reality. We need those times. We need... Uh, Bible studies, spiritual conversations. I experience that kind of sanctuary or refuge every time I go to a, a recovery group like Celebrate Recovery. But what I want to point out to you, friends, maybe the most important part of this message is that the remnant of God's people, the ones who will keep the faith alive during this most difficult time that we find ourselves in, the remnant of God's people will be those who seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Within their heart, all on your own, and together. The remnant will be a people who are changed, transformed through a difficult time, who have a compelling presence because people can sense the Holy Spirit within you. They have stories to tell about what God has done among them. They say, you have to hear the story of what we experienced as we were reading the Bible together, as we were praying together, as we were serving together. You have to hear of what God has done. These are the people who will keep the faith alive. So many people in our time today, Christians, non-Christians aren't worried about it. <laughs> They're not worried if Christianity will endure in the United States. First of all, say, I'll steal this line from... Uh, Someone else that I know. We're going to go get a training from him pretty soon. His name is uh, Michael Beck. Reverend Dr. Michael Beck said, he starts his talk with saying, the church of Jesus Christ will never die. Will never die. But we have a lot of concerns here in America about what's going to happen with Christianity. Amen? Most of us are concerned about that truth. But what I want us to see here today is that this is how we keep the faith alive. Through seeking God as a refuge, not as a bunker, not where we just hide and hope that things will get better all on their own, but realizing that we as God's people, we are the hope of the world. Us. You and me, Larry. <laughs> Brian. Dean. We're the hope of the world. But we don't have the strength to do any of God's work on our own. I... I do not have the strength. I need to be renewed in God's presence. To be strengthened through the difficulty. And if I, re if I resist the difficulty, well then nothing ever changes. So it's 
really a bunker. It's, that's a bunker experience. The remnant of God's people will seek God as a refuge on their own and together. Because if we're isolated, if we just say, well, as long as I read my devotional, as long as I listen to some God podcasts or whatever, um, then I'll be okay. That's easy to pluck. You know, the, the enemy plucks us off. Puts doubt in there. Puts more fear in there. Puts uh, maybe animosity in there about what other people are or aren't doing. In recovery, they say very clearly, isolation is the enemy. Period. Like, you can't do recovery alone. And I don't think it has so much to, to do with addictions as much as it has to do with the spiritual, emotional, human reality that we need each other. We need meaningful relationships with one another. Not to just know information about one another, but meaningful connection and relationship. We can't survive without it. This type of experience that I'm talking about is not a bunker. It's more like a cocoon. It's more like a cocoon. Has anybody ever seen the uh, monarch butterflies, the chrysilis that they make? Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, so we went to my friend's cabin. My friend's mom, uh, who I've known most of my life, uh, she really likes nature and flowers and all that, and so she's actually uh, very concerned about the fact that monarchs are becoming extinct. Did you know that? Anybody know that? I didn't know it until she was telling us about it. So what she's done is she goes out and takes milkweed plants, brings them into their house, and puts them in this netting-type thing where it's totally enclosed, and then she goes out and looks for those eggs individually. And supposedly, it's like a miracle that she can even find them because they're like the size of a pin, pinpoint or whatever. And she takes the egg somehow and she puts it on the milkweed plant, as many as she can find, and they grow and they hatch and then they grow and she watches them grow as a larva. And then they make this cocoon-looking thing, a chrysilis, and they hatch out of there and then she releases them all. One time she had like 20 or so. She sent us a video. Friends, this is sort of what God as a refuge is like for us. That yes, just like the monarchs, there's reason to be fearful of what's happening in our world and why fewer and fewer people are interested in, in Christianity. But we can be transformed within that time. And it's God who takes us from the dangerous situations that we're finding ourselves in and places us in that safety net. Not so that we can stay there forever, but so that we can go out as changed people. Totally changed. Becoming completely new. That's what Jesus has done for us by the power that He showed in conquering sin and death. Our job is to seek refuge in the Lord. So I want to just close with, I'm not quite done, but this is sort of my encouragement to you about seeking refuge in the Lord, okay? It's sort of like a two-step dance. Two-step dance. This is how I dance. Just like this. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more, you know? <laughs> but you notice the weight is shifting? <laughs> I'm growing as a dancer. <laughs> this is what seeking, the refuge, seeking refuge in the Lord is like. So one shift is identifying what we're currently seeking refuge in the Lord, or what we're, what we're currently seeking refuge in. What are those bunkers in our life? 
Is it uh, endlessly scrolling on social media? Is it shopping, you know, excessively? Is it drugs or alcohol? You know, some things are more obvious to ourselves and to others. Is it social isolation? Is it workaholism? Is it just escapism through whatever? I mean, you can escape the reality of your life through just about anything right now. So that's one part of the dance. The second part of the dance is actually the most important, which is making space, whatever you can do, for seeking refuge in the Lord. So the best thing you can do is what you've already done. Good job. You're starting off strong. Keep coming back. Keep coming here. Keep seeking the refuge in this space. It's essential to gather in person. Sorry, people who watch online, that's important too. But gathering in person is essential because we feel the support and the strength. And we have you know, conversations on the, side, on the shoulders of our experience of worship that strengthen us, that equip us for what we face in life. We seek refuge in the name of the Lord through our time in prayer. I like centering prayer, which is just about quieting the noise within my heart and inwardly turning to God. Did it before worship today. 20 minutes. That's what I like. Set my timer on my watch. Every time I sense my thoughts and my heart just drifting towards things that are fearful or stressful or even just the to-dos, I take a deep breath and am reminded that God is with me. Reading Scripture, especially like this Lectio Divina form where we're just receiving God's Word, that's one way that we're seeking refuge in the name of the Lord. All these things change us. They transform us. We're opening ourselves to the grace of God. And that's what we need. That's what will help us to endure. And the last word of encouragement for you is the key here is not to shame yourself if you realize, oh, I'm not seeking refuge in the name of the Lord like Pastor Chad was talking about. Don't shame yourself about what you know you could or should do, but you're not. That's not helpful. And don't shame yourself for the things that you're doing that maybe you don't want to do. That's not helpful either. The key is to notice and then to ask God for the strength or for the willingness to change your behavior. You have to just notice it. If you try to beat yourself up, I don't know, does that work for people? That doesn't work for me to to try and beat myself up. To say, "I, I need to do better, to do better. No, the key is not to do better. The key is to rely upon God more and to trust that God will change us. Friends, it's the common bond of seeking refuge in Christ that will endure the crises of today. A people who are made new, showing the people in their lives that another way is possible. Hope then emerges within the remnant of God's people as we witness the transformational presence of the Holy Spirit within the lives of one another. Amen. So let's take this time to, I'm mixing it up on you a little bit, let's take this time to respond to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us in a prayer and experience God as a refuge.
Jesus says, Constantine, as Constantine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So God, may you guide us, our hearts and our minds. God, equip us to put our energy and our strength towards relying upon you more. To noticing those things in our life that we turn to when we're overwhelmed or scared or tired or anxious. And to turn to you instead through the different means that you've given us that change us, that encourage us, that give us hope, that it, give us a space to sense your peace and your love for us so that we can witness transformation within one another. And out of that space, hope arises. So Jesus, we're trusting upon you, your Holy Spirit, working in our lives, guiding us, shaping us into your people. Help us to surrender the outcomes, surrender the situations of the day, and trust in you more. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray.